It's cozy season, and Osea's Andaria Exfoliate and Glow Duo is just what you need to nourish your skin. The Andaria Cleansing Body Polish exfoliates, while the Andaria Algae Body Oil is clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. Give your skin a glow up this fall with clean vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code FALL at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code FALL. Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on the award-winning Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron. Delighted to have you with us. We're going to be talking about how to find that balance and joy in caregiving and how we do that. Our co-host, Carol Zernial, is with us as well. She's past chairman of the board of directors of the National Council on Aging. Carol, you have been there in many ways as a long-distance and often in-person caregiver. Is there joy in that? Well, obviously there's joy, obviously there's challenges, but, you know, we're so fortunate to have Amy Goyer join us today from AARP. We've, we're talking with, the, you know, some of our other book authors and AARP's name comes up, you know, and, and a lot of that can be attributed to the work uh, that Amy has done. Well, we're delighted to have Amy with us. More than 35 years of professional experience serving and advocating for older adults, children and families and people with disabilities. Amy's been a family caregiver her entire adult life, caring for her grandparents, parents, sister and other relatives and friends. She writes extensively for AARP. And on a personal note, I always enjoy reading what she writes. She writes about her experiences caring for her mother, Patricia, who died in 2013, and her father, Robert, who lived with Alzheimer's disease for 12 years before his death in 2018. Amy has written three books and appears regularly as a caregiving authority on network news shows, including more than a dozen times on NBC's Today Show. And this is her second visit with us on Caregiver SOS On Air, not to be outdone by CNN, NPR, NBC. Delighted to have you with us, Amy Goyer. Oh, thank you so much. It's great to be with both of you today. Again, Ron and Carol, I'm, I'm really um, excited to chat with you again. Talk to us about your experience as a caregiver. You, you were in a very challenging situation for uh, caring for you know, grandparents, parents, sisters, mom, dad, all of the challenges you faced. What was that like? You know, as I as mentioned, I became a caregiver first when I was still in college. I was uh, in my 20s and I was getting a degree, working on a degree in music therapy at Ohio University. And my parents moved to Arizona from Ohio and my grandparents were all in Indiana. So I just started helping out, you know, driving over, checking on them. My dad was an only child, so he had no siblings, you know, near his parents. And my grandmother had Alzheimer's. And my granddaddy was taking care of her. So I just, I feel like I just fell into the role very naturally, as most caregivers do. I'm just a, a granddaughter helping out her grandparents or a, a kid helping her parents. And over time, it just, my caregiving roles have grown and changed in so many different ways. 
you know, I, I, for my, those grandparents, I was long distance, about six hours away, and I would drive over and get them set up with Meals on Wheels or teach my grandfather about incontinence and monitor the care they were getting. And my dad was dealing with things from even longer distance, you know, dealing with the finances and everything. And then my mom had a stroke during that time. And she had, she was only 63. So she began needing caregiving at a young age and daddy was caring for her and his parents long distance. And my sisters and I, I'm the youngest of four girls and we all kind of pitched in in our own ways over the years. And um, eventually my grandparents passed away. My uh, mom, you know, continued to have various health, health issues due to her stroke over the years and then, you know, when dad had a hip replacement, I came in and I telecommuted for a month. I was working full time for AARP at that time. And I was able to telecommute for a month so that I could take care of mom, take care of the dogs, take care of dad, do all of that while I was working. And um, and that was more of an episodic caregiving event. But over the years, dad developed Alzheimer's like his mother. And so we started seeing the signs and he caught very early on because he had a great doctor who was screening and checking in with him. And, you know, at first my role with dad was very long distance too. And eventually I moved there to take care of them. And and they moved in with me, um, mom for the last year of her life and dad for the last six years of his life. What was that like? You know, it was both wonderful and terrifying. And, um, uh, you know, I think my, the, Picking up my life from the Washington, D.C. area and going out there. And, and incidentally, what I did was I became a consultant. Um, so I had more flexibility with my work and not, you know, so I, that was great. But at the same time, I'm starting my own business. You know, that's that's a, there's a pressure of being a consultant. Um, but I would go back and forth from D.C. out to uh, Arizona. I was based in Arizona. I would visit my life, you know, back in the D.C. area. You know, you feel like. You feel, you know, many caregivers say this to me, I miss my life. And that's kind of how it feels. At the same time, I loved my life. I mean, I loved taking care of my parents. I was very fortunate to have wonderful parents. And, uh, and you know, it was really hard, you know. Dementia in particular is extremely hard. But also, we had a great deal of joy. And I made a lot of effort to create joy and notice the joy along the way. Let's talk more about that in a moment. I want to let folks know who may have just joined us. You're listening to the award-winning Caregiver SOS On Air, available on podcasts wherever you get your podcasts and on a number of local radio stations as well. Caregiver SOS On Air co-host Carol Zerniel is with us, and our special guest, AARP writer, author, lecturer Amy Goyer is with us, and we're talking about what she just began to talk about, and that is finding the joy and happiness in caregiving. Tell us more about that, Amy. Well, you know, the, the joy, and I know Carol has a lot of thoughts on this as well. It, um, you know, I find that joy is our greatest survival skill as caregivers. I think, uh, it, you know, that took a while for me to really understand that and embrace that and grasp that. But I, I became very aware of my own emotions, my energy, my feelings about everything. And I found that, you know, when I could get a little boost of joy, I functioned better. I felt better. I was a better caregiver on every level. And so I I found ways to create and notice that joy. What would be an example of the joy? 
so for example, um, you know, I talk about creating and noticing joy because I feel like they're kind of two different things because we as caregivers have to proactively create these moments many times. And then it's not always easy. So here's just an example. Um, you know, my mom had to get her hair done every Friday. And that was, a, you know, that was a deal breaker she, that, that made her feel like herself. She'd been doing that for years and years and years. Um, her hairstylist was part of the family at this point, you know. And so Friday afternoons, she'd go get her hair. We'd take her to get her hair done. Daddy had always taken her. So when we wanted him to stop driving, then I took her with dad and dad's service dog, Mr. Jackson. And then I always tried to create a fun Friday adventure. And that might have been, uh, you know, in Arizona, it gets very hot. So in the in the summertime, we couldn't go do much outside, but we would go to the mall and walk around and we'd get a piece of chocolate or we'd eat dinner and just, you know, have an adventure. We might go in the fall. I just recently drove past the pumpkin patch where we used to go. Right. I would take him to the pumpkin patch and look at all the fall decorations and get a pumpkin and or just, you know, go to a different restaurant, just try go watch a movie. Sometimes we went to movies in the very beginning, but mostly at home. Just try to create something every Friday so that we had that that filled me up and it filled them up. That's just you know, one example. Well, Amy, I think what you're saying probably sounds pretty foreign to a lot of caregivers, especially caregivers who are early in this journey. Um, the idea that you can orchestrate a little corner of your life, um, but particularly something fun and joy. Those are not words that come necessarily automatically to the lips of caregivers. I think you're right because there are so many challenges and it's heartbreaking so much of the time and it's exhausting. And, you know, you're just trying to get your loved one to the doctor. But what I found that, yes, I had to orchestrate getting, you know, and again, especially when I had both of them and dad's service dog, it was quite an orchestration to huh. even get to a doctor's appointment, much less everything you go through to get that doctor's appointment, you know. And so I would, we would drive through Starbucks on the way home and get lemonade and cake pops and, and a, you know, a little puppy pop for Jackson. That doesn't take a ton, ton of time, um, you know, especially on days when we didn't stop and get out of the car. Some days were good days and we could do that. But other times you, know, you just go through the drive through And that's just one little thing. I think more of what we do are little, small, simple joys. And I think what you're getting at, Carol, is so true because we get so burnt out, we get so exhausted that the, everything seems like a huge effort. So I try to think about things that we can incorporate into our day and our environment. For example, nature. Nature is a great source of joy for most of us. So it might be, uh, you know, my dad had always made an effort to keep fresh flowers for mom. He always brought flowers from the grocery store, had a fresh plant, something. So when he stopped doing the shopping, I kept that up and I found that it helped me just to look at some flowers in a vase gave me a little bit of a lift. And, you know, that's an effort to when you go to the grocery store, you buy those flowers and you have to have money to buy those flowers. But we just got cheap flowers. <laughs> flowers are flowers. Um, the other thing is animals, animals in our environment. You know, Mr. Jackson was my dad's service dog, but he was my best friend and my partner in caregiving and brought me a great deal of joy. And he's still, you know, I can remember being in the hospital with mom. My mom had many hospitalizations, really rough times. And I remember one time taking my dad's sunglasses and putting them on Mr. Jackson. 
And we laughed so hard. Like <laughs> it made my mom laugh, you know, and, and dad laughed and I laughed and Mr. Jackson thought we were insane. And, but it's a little thing like that to have humor in your life. Being around children can bring a great deal of joy. Um, you know, uh, readings. I used to do knock knock jokes with my dad because as he got more advanced with the Alzheimer's, it was harder to do different things. My dad had a great sense of humor, but the knock knock jokes he could get, he could say who's there, you know. And then I would say the thing, and then we would laugh. Um, you know, we would just try to make extra effort. Sometimes joy is just something so simple, like making a good cup of tea or having that cup of coffee on your way home from a doctor's appointment, right? Well, knock, knock. It's time to say, hold on a moment. We're going to come right back to you. Amy Goyer, our special guest, uh, she's a writer, has been with AARP, both on staff and as a consultant. And we're delighted to have her with us talking about finding the joy and creating the joy in caregiving. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zerniel. You're listening to the award-winning Caregiver SOS On Air. Well, thank you so much for listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. We're delighted to have you with us. We come to you every week with a discussion of an issue, a problem, some accomplishments involved in caregiving with more than 60 million caregivers across this country, but most thinking they are the Lone Rangers. We try to bring you the latest information and help that can make that job easier and more manageable. Caregiver SOS On Air takes a look at trends across this country. We provide tips on how to be a better caregiver, and most importantly, where you can go for help. On Caregiver SOS On Air, we try to give you what you need to make that caregiving manageable and to provide you with the help that can make your life easier. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zerniel and I are delighted to co-host this program, and we're thrilled you've joined us on the award-winning Caregiver SOS On Air podcast available everywhere, brought to you by WellMed Charitable Foundation. Hello, friend. We are so pleased you're listening to and joining us on the award-winning Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel, and we're talking with writer Amy Goyer, who's with AARP and has written in great, great deal about caregiving and responsibility and joy and happiness and challenges all wrapped up in caregiving. Uh, and Amy, uh, you've mentioned a couple of times, uh, Mr. Jackson, uh, your dad had a service dog. What kind of help did he provide for your dad who was dealing with dementia? So my dad, um, first, Mr. Jackson was very, dad and mom lived for three years in a senior community. And while it had, it was, it was like fenced in kind of senior community, it was not gated. So there was always this concern and dad loved to walk. And so he would walk Jackson like five times a day, you know, and he'd forget he had already done it, but that was okay because Jackson didn't, you know, it was something good to keep him occupied. But Mr. Jackson made sure he got home to the right place. And he would, I, I can remember walking along with them and daddy would go in the wrong building because the buildings all looked a lot alike, right? And Mr. Jackson would just make a beeline to the door, the side door of that building that would take them out right at their building. You know, he just, he he, he had it down. Um, and then later my mom had a catastrophic fall and fractured her spine in two places, had C. diff in the hospital, had a oh. heart attack, had... Uh, septic and congestive heart failure and developed aphid, just, just a, a nightmare experience for about 40 days in the hospital. And then she went to rehab 
at the uh, skilled nursing facility there on site. It was a continuing care retirement community. So dad Jackson learned the route to the nursing home, right to mom's room. And they would go over there at least twice a day and visit with mom and they could walk and do that. And I didn't have to worry about dad getting gave your Gave your dad independence that he yeah. might not have had otherwise. Right. And in addition, um, he, both my parents were hearing impaired. And so he, he let them know when there was somebody at the door and also, he was also an emotional support animal in many ways, too, um, which I think a lot of service dogs are. But yeah, he, dad uh, got so he would not go anywhere without him. And he, dad got very nervous about outings and various things because he just didn't know what was going on. You know, that what am I supposed to be doing? And um, as long as Mr. Jackson was with him, he was calm. He was fine. So he went to all his doctor's appointments. And, and the truth is, Mr. Jackson really looked out for mom, too. He just naturally took, took them both on. And I have wonderful pictures of, of mom in physical therapy. Um, you know, they used to get physical therapy at home sometimes. And I have this picture of mom on the bed, laying down on the bed with a physical therapist doing exercises with her. And Mr. Jackson is laying on the pillow right at her face, <laughs> just overseeing the whole thing. So he was a motivator. He was just he was just the best. And and like I said, for me, he was my partner in caregiving. He was the one who was with it, with me through most all of it. Was he specially trained to work with people with Alzheimer's or specially trained hearing impaired? What, what was he trained on? Yeah, you know, he wasn't. It, it, he was. He When we got him, we got him as a pet and we saw him doing these things naturally. So I got him some extra training from a trainer. Um, and went through what we needed to do for him to be a service dog. I can, there are programs that serve, that train dogs specifically for different diseases, Alzheimer's, hearing impaired, or various other things. And, um, and they can be very expensive, uh, unfortunately, for people. And that can be a barrier. So I found a trainer who was incredibly good. And she, you know, just worked with him. Uh, he was very smart. He was a rescue dog. So he was older. He was incredibly smart. In fact, his vet said he was the most human-like dog she had ever treated in her entire 35-year career. Wow. It was unbelievable. And um, so, yeah, so we were very fortunate to, to get a really good trainer who was local, who didn't overcharge, you know, made it affordable <laughs> for us. Um, and he brought so much joy to my dad, to me, to my mom. Uh, along with, you know, the safety factors that he brought were, were just, you know, gave me so much peace of mind. Now, you mentioned to us off the air that Mr. Jackson passed away about a year before your dad. How did you and your mom and dad deal with that loss? Well, my mom had already passed. And in fact, um, she passed in 2013. And, um, and Mr. Jackson grieved. You could, again, I have pictures and videos. Mr. Jackson grieved along with dad, but he was right there with dad the whole time, you know, um, but he developed uh, cancer and pancreatitis and inflammatory bowel disease. And I treated him just the same as any other family member. He had acupuncture and he had, uh, he had a very expensive surgery and he had um, uh, physical therapy. And I, I would swim him in my bathtub with a little, little vest on. And, <laughs> but, but we had to say goodbye to him a year before daddy died. Oh, about a year. And um, that was one of the hardest things I've had to do. You know, I've had to remove life support from both my mom and my sister. And there's that's a whole nother story. But um, 
it was clear and obvious with them, you know, but with Mr. Jackson, it was so hard because he didn't want to leave daddy. Mm. And, it, it, you know, the day he died, you could tell his, you just got, so his pain was just not controlled. And I, I knew it and I could tell it. And, you know, he, he didn't even want to be petted. He was just in pain, but he was watching dad. He was, I mean, he, he, ugh, it's going to make me cry. He was on the job until the, the moment he let go. Um, and was your dad cognizant of the loss? Yes, in an interesting way. Um, he was no longer at a point where he'd say, where's the dog? You know, like when my mom died, it was, he was very much aware and it was very hard and he'd forget and then he'd remember. And then, you know, but with Mr. Jackson, he, he wasn't as verbal then and he wasn't, you know, communicating. But we saw a big behavior change for, for about two to three weeks after Mr. Jackson died, just more irritable, more sad, more, you know, just all the things that you could see when you're so in tune with a human being that you've been caring for and that you love. And he, he couldn't express it in his words, but we could see it. Yeah, but what you just said is so important for caregivers listening, because when you may, I mean, in this case, you knew what the trigger was that caused your dad's behavior change, but noticing behavior changes, noticing something, you know, going on and trying to pinpoint that. I know I've told the story in the past. My my mother-in-law had Alzheimer's and we walked in the door one day and the whole room was full of play school toys. Uh, and diapers and things for babies. And we said, what's going on? She said, I'm going to have 32 babies. And we're like, what is she doing? Well, as it turns out, she had gallstones. Um, oh, and she couldn't, she couldn't communicate it. She knew something was going on. Um, and so changes in behavior, things that seem really, really different. You know, that little, it, either paying attention when something does happen for behavior changes that show that something's negative or seeing a behavior change and then sleuthing it out for the caregivers that are listening. I'd say that's really important. So important. So important. You know, and I work with caregivers all the time. I moderate AARP's Family Caregivers Discussion Group on Facebook. We have over 14,000 members. And all the time, caregivers are posting, you know, there's change in my loved one's behavior. And, and everybody will pipe in with, you know, check for a urinary tract infection, check on this, check on that, you know, especially with dementia, too many people and unfortunately, doctors too will often just well, you know, that's the dementia, and they'll write off things like your mother in law that they don't, you know, that they think, well, that's just the disease progressing. Well, the overnight changes don't really happen with like that. You know what I mean? So I agree with you. You have to be really tuned in and notice the changes um, and notice the subtle things, you know, back to our conversation on joy. I think it's just as important that you notice the inherent joys in the journey. And I think that's what we get most blocked on when we're burned out. We just don't see them. We're so exhausted that we, we, we let them kind of go by, you know, that moment, um, you know, I often think about helping mom to bed when my parents moved back in with me um, and my, she, my mom was one of those people who laid in bed and never moved all night. I, I think she developed that as a skill to protect her hairstyle, but she, she was <laughs> all, all the time and she'd pull the covers right up to her chin and she would just give me the most beautiful smile. And I remember one night thinking, wait a minute, I need to, I need to enjoy this moment. 
You know, I don't, I, I had a million other things to do and clean up the bathroom and do this and put away the meds and get daddy ready for whatever. But I had to stop and really focus on that moment because what that meant was that she felt safe. She felt secure. She felt loved. She felt, you know, she felt right. You know, all was right with the world in that moment. And that's, those are the moments that fill us up and keep us going. And it might be that it might be a little hug or a kiss now and then it might be, um, you know, something that, that, that moment that you see your mom and for me, you know, seeing my parents together, little caring thing that my dad would do for my mom or, you know, a little smile they would exchange. Those little subtle things can really fill us up a lot. We've talked about a gratitude list. Is that something you recommend? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I'm a list maker. I've always been a list maker and I'm very goal oriented. So I love my list. I love to check things off, but I found when I was caregiving that, uh, I, I had a hard time with lists because so often I didn't get as much done as I wanted to and everything. So I started keeping a list at the end of every day of things I did get done and things I was grateful for. And that was much more effective for me. Um, Got to stop you right there. We really appreciate you coming on. If folks want to learn more about you and follow what you've written, where do they go? So please check out the AARP caregiving website at aarp.org slash caregiving. We have so many great resources, a free caregiving guide, financial workbook for family caregivers, articles. I I do a column, as you mentioned, on the site, as well as other experts. Perfect. Um, And you can also join me at the AARP Family Caregivers Discussion Group on Facebook. Amy uh, Goyer, got to stop you right there. We are flat out of time. Thank you so much. For Carol Zerniel, I'm Ron Aaron. Have a great day, and thanks for listening to the award-winning Caregiver SOS On Air. Executive producers for Caregiver SOS On Air are Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron. Our associate producer is Christy Romero. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org. Ever have that feeling that it might be time to have your roof replaced? But you just ignore it because nobody wants to pay for a new roof. What if you could have your roof rejuvenated at a fraction of the cost of a new one? The company who can do this is called RoofMax. And they can extend the life of your roof from 5 to 15 years guaranteed. There's a lot of science to this, which I can't really explain here. But if you want to save a lot of money, you should check out RoofMax.com to see exactly how they do it. Think you need a new roof? Think again. RoofMax.com.